Welcome back to another episode of the Working Audio Tools podcast, available on YouTube and Spotify and all of the streaming platforms, with myself, Ed Thorne, and fellow YouTuber, Paul Third. In this episode, we are comparing another mix, and we have a track called Traveling Light by an artist called Joel S. Norman, and these multi-tracks are from the Produce Like a Pro Academy library of multi-tracks, which are available to everyone as well. Let's dive straight in and listen to a short clip of the rough track. This is uh, a rough mix of the track without any processing. And then we'll chat about problems and then we'll dive into both of our mixes. the sunrise over the lake He said how much do I give and what do I take as he took him by the hand something we'll never understand The two of them sat at the chapel on a Sunday morning To hear the preacher man say it's okay to take these things slow No matter where you go, I want you to know So, Paul, what were the challenges for you on this one? I mean, it wasn't really that many challenges because it is a really, really well uh, recorded multi-track. I don't know. I just tried to mix it as best as I could, but I think it's probably the, you know, the biggest challenge for me this week was I tried a few things out, which <laughs> many people say don't ever try things out in a mix. But we're very fortunate that this isn't for a client, so I tried a few things out. I tried a few things out on the mix bus. I tried a few things on drums that Ed has kind of been teaching me about. Um, yeah, I tried a few new plugins as well. So I've tried to go more for feel this week because I know that there was a lot of comments with people saying that they kind of felt that my mixes were kind of, you know, overthought or I was overthinking during the mixes. So I tried a lot to kind of focus on the rhythm section and I tried to get as much feel as I could while still having like the Paul third sound where everything is kind of clear and detailed. So yeah, what about you this week? Was there any challenges you had this week? It's been so long ago since I mixed it, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> the kick drum was interesting. Uh, was this the track you sample replaced the entire kick drum? Yes, because I hated And it's funny, because was it a 47 that I replaced? Was that the, the only kick that we had? Was it a 47 or was it someone else? Uh, yeah, something like that. Mm. And it sounded like it was mic'd up right on the, the edge. Yeah, it was very clicky. Of, like, of the drum... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was a challenge. Uh, I'm guessing you incorporated samples, or did you replace it entirely? I just on the kick, I replaced it entirely, but I replaced them with two uh, Joe Carroll kicks. So I only use Joe Carroll's like Ooh. sample packs. So I used two kicks that I always use, um, and I added some samples in for the snare. The snare I thought was sounded quite nice, 
but for me i wanted to have the snare kind of have a little bit of a like a so um i uh, compressed the samples quite heavily using an 1176 uh, fast attack fast release i didn't do that on the the main snare because ed has told me before never ever do that those kind of settings um on a snare drum because again you want kind of a slower attack um, because if you have a fast, I can I can see the comments happening already. <laughs> well, it's true. I didn't though. say never ever. It's true though. I just said <laughs> because if you think about it, like the way that you know when you're e- uh, you're compressing a snare, right? You're you're wanting a slower attack because you want to let that transient in. If it's a fast attack and a fast yeah, release, it's yeah. just going to clamp down on that transient. Um, where for the samples it gave it was more of an effect for me. It was more that kind of the over compression gave for me. But yeah, I, I didn't do it on the main snare um what about you this week did you add any samples in did you try and go a little bit more raw or did you kind of um have a, a typical ed thorn hybrid uh i did add samples def- one or two to the kick one to the snare and i actually sampled the toms i was going to do that on this I just one didn't have time. i thought they yeah, were no. a bit weak and we're, we're there saying this these were great multi-tracks uh great <laughs> recordings they were but i think it was uh, it was a very bar sounding kit sound, so I think it required to modernise it a little bit, some beefening, if that's. A I word. think I think the best be. term is no. What I should have said. I mean, they're still well recorded to an extent, but I think the production is really good. I think the production on this one kind of mixes itself a little bit. Uh, it was uh, it was very similar to the last Mark Daniel Nelson multi track that we had. That was called, um, uh, was it? Make My Lonely. Yeah. Um, so it was very kind of similar to that, where the production is that good and the instruments are chosen very well. That I don't know, I, I found it quite easy to mix in, but it was just about, you know, trying to get that finished pop sound that yeah, it's still intimate because it's quite an intimate song and, you know, it's quite intimate lyrics as well. So I took a lot of time on trying to get the vocals to have, you know, enough automation in there and using the little few little tricks, plugins that I've got just to kind of make the vocals and the lyrics just constantly there and they're not kind of kind of dipping out at certain parts. So this is Ed Thorne's mix, Travelling Light. The two of them left before the dawn on a Sunday morning Try to make it in time to see the sunrise over the lake He said, how much do I give and what do I take As he took him by the hand Some things we'll never understand The two of them sat at the chapel on a Sunday morning To hear the preacher man say it's okay to take these things slow No matter where you go, I want you to know
DistroKid sponsor the Working Audio Tools podcast and you can get 30% off your first year subscription using the VIP link in the YouTube video description and podcast show notes. DistroKid makes distribution of your music easy with unlimited uploads and you get to keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. Join over a million artists who rely on DistroKid to get their music into Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram and all other streaming platforms now and in the future. The new DistroKid app is available on iOS. Go and download it from the App Store now. From here you can upload new releases. You can see your DistroKid earnings and withdraw these earnings. You can view and share your hyperfollow links. You can check your streaming statistics from Spotify and Apple and even add and edit lyrics and song titles. So keep track of your releases on the move with the new DistroKid app available on iOS. Download it from the App Store now. Right, okay, there you have Ed's mix of Travelling Light. I thought it was a good mix. Um, There was only a few things that kind of I thought maybe were a bit misplaced. I felt that the organs were maybe a bit kind of too loud, but again, very subjective. I know you've kind of went for, I could hear you went more for kind of a gospel kind of style approach here, um, where I've kind of tried to kind of, me being a guitarist, I always have the, <laughs> the guitars pretty in the mix and the piano kind of being the main focal point. Um, I noticed that, now Ed, Edward, did you steal Did you steal my autopan trick for the synth? Because it sounds like to me, like I could hear a bit of movement in that synth part. Did you? Uh, there, there, there's a lot of movement. I think I had the movement set to a hundred percent, stealing from your. Uh, I want recognition for my creativity, <laughs> even though it wasn't my creativity. I just nicked it off you from the last one. Yeah, I kind of feel that I could hear it. I just feel that now it makes sense now that it's a hundred percent because I never set mine at a hundred percent. I could. It's one of those things. It's a little overbearing yeah, in hindsight. Yeah, isn't it's it? like it's definitely heard more than felt. <laughs> We've heard those discussions. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I would back that off. I see what you're going for because I did the same thing. I did the auto pan thing on the synth, but mine's is getting very kind of tucked back. I think it was maybe like thirty percent on the depth, and I've maybe probably got a different setting to you as well. Um, drums, obviously, Paul Third's going to have something to say about the drums, and everybody's going to tell me that <laughs> I probably don't know what I'm talking about, and I should get my ears checked. But um, the kick and <laughs> the kick and snare wasn't wasn't for me here. There was like um, okay. it's like a doom. The snare was like a doom, doom, doom to me. Um, and I listened to it a few times. I've listened to it on different uh, kind of references as well. I've listened to it on three different headphones on two separate days. And again, listening again to it there, I can still hear the same thing. So I'm a bit interested on what you did with the drums this week. Is as what I'm hearing, but I think what I'm hearing is a very, very short reverb, or is it a gated reverb? I, th- I think you've done me and you've done the same thing when you went for that kind of jump, that shoom, shoom sound. What do you think is I'm possibly hearing there? There, there are there is a low sample. Okay. Um, there is a short reverb on the main snare. There's a long reverb on the short sample. I don't think I used a gated reverb right, this okay. time. Um, and I don't think I've made enough of the long reverb, although it comes up in the chorus, but it's not as... It's definitely felt than heard, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- my goal for the snare on this one was to have a nice kind of mm-hmm. boxy sound to get it out of the way of the vocals and just uh, and, and, and quite a bit of ride cymbal. And yeah, lots of organ, because I did my homework on Joel's other tracks, and it is quite gospel and the amount of ride cymbal and organs he has is, it's like, whoa, it's, uh, it's quite a lot. 
maybe more than I would put in, but I actually quite liked it once I got my head around did it. Did you reference Mark's final mix or did you reference some of Joel's other stuff? Uh, I did reference Mark's final mix. Mark is a wonderful, this is Mark Daniel Nelson, he's a wonderful mix engineer and some things he just does delightfully yeah. well and he tickles <laughs> Easy now, tracks. easy, ba- easy. <laughs> barely does anything and just, just creates these beautifully musical and dynamic mixes. So one thing I wanted to get from his was just how dynamically it swelled. Not quite sure I executed it as well as he did. And I really tried to get the richness out of the piano. Now, for those uh, interested what the stems were like, we had an interesting one this time because a lot of the stems were actually recorded and then bounced out to tape. Yeah, I forgot that. Or recorded to tape because there was a digital copy and a tape copy. So I think they were to digital and then bounced out to tape. And on that, there was was a bit of hiss. So on the snare drum, for example, I RX the life out of it and got rid of a lot of tss going on in the background. Uh, I didn't get round to it with the piano. Uh, I can't remember where else it was on. Oh, and I manually gated the life out of the toms. That's just a standard. And it's annoying me as well, because if I had more time, I um, I would have RX'd probably everything. But I, I, that was kind of almost like a little session in itself, because I would have to go through... Really, I should have done it in pre-mixing, but I, I didn't have that much time in pre-mixing. <laughs> But it's debatable whether that's character. Yeah, because well, Mark's mix, I mean, it's definitely there. Like he's definitely chosen not to RX that out. I mean, and, and they've purposely, obviously, decided to mix to tape. And obviously, that's an artifact of tape, as you know, getting like hiss and noise. Listening to all three, uh, Mark's, mine's, and yours, a part of me does want to kind of take it out because it's probably because I'm not used to it. I'm I'm not used to rock or like pop records like having audible noise like that but when I heard Marks and I heard that it was in I was like right okay I don't feel as bad um, in terms of the rest of the track I felt that um, it was paced well um, I like the piano sound that you got vocal wise again I think you're getting con- consistent with your vocals every week I think you've kind of found yourself a little kind of vocal pocket for the uh, for the vocals to sit in uh, again verbs and delays I thought were well placed again kind of felt not heard but when you wanted to hear them that were there to kind of give you a little bit of space. Uh, backing vocals, I thought, were were well mixed because what you people watching this won't or listening to this won't know is that we were given every single um, the choir. It was all single vocals, so we had to mix all of that. It wasn't like a, a stemmed a cor- a choir, so we had to individually mix them. So I've mixed the choir different to you. And I think on reflection, I think you did a bit of a better job balancing um, the voices a little bit. I just think you did a better. Do you want to know what the secret was? What? To that? Tell me. Was it easy? Don't say it was easy. If it was easy, I'll kill you. Because I spent a few while. Didn't on touch them. Didn't touch them. Are you joking? No. Put all the faders ah. at. Uh, I gain stage everything so it peaks at minus twelve, mm. and then just left them at minus ten on all the faders. Right. Pan them a little bit. And then did nothing. Just added, added uh, Sound City Studios from Universal. No, Audio. I know I was waiting on it. it I, I was waiting on it. Spacious room sound. I was waiting on it. Loved it. That that is my go-to choir. Because I watched your video on it, and I knew this was going to get mentioned. Because <laughs> um, uh, oh, it's annoying me now. Do you do you think that it was meant to be that way? Like there were bumps just so you were just to like not touch them and like kind of mix them as a group. Do you think that was the way uh, it was meant to be? Were, were there about 18 tracks? Yeah, it was quite a, it was quite a lot. Quite a lot. Choir. Um, 
See, if they were mic'd up individually, what I suspect they were, they were just mics in front, you know, considerably. They weren't close micing like we're speaking yeah, now. Yeah. Uh, they weren't singing into it because then there would be m- barely any bleed from the other singers. Uh, but I got the impression they were just room condenser mics a little bit ahead. And then, so it was pick- each mic was picking up, you know, the surrounding singers. Right. And then it was quite a nice blend because there were one or two little tuning things that stood out. And I thought, if I tune that, it's going to ruin that yeah. and phase that. So I just left it. And then the beauty, much like a string quartet or, or an orchestra, if things are slightly out, it just works as, as a cohesive instrument. Like a guitar's in tune for one second, isn't it, until the neck bends mm-hmm. or the room heats up. Same with the piano. It's just it, it's the cohesiveness of it that is its own tuning. So no, no, I, just, I just left it. Did did barely anything. Oh, so, so um, annoying. Tiny, tiny bit of stage one for some... What's- Distance yeah. uh, added to a tiny bit of pre-delay in uh, Sound City Studios. Marg EQ for some top end. That was about it. Right, okay. That's thoroughly pissed me off now. Thank you very much, Ed. <laughs> there is never an episode where you don't manage to piss me off in one way <laughs> or another. Fantastic. Well, that's the one thing you're definitely consistent in, in this podcast is pissing me off. Right. Most most of this is off air, by the way, when <laughs> Paul and I are talking about this during the week and I'm saying, Paul, can you do this? Can you do that? Yes, we'll not get into that. Yeah. So we're already like a married couple. Eh? We can, we'd probably be going through marriage counselling if we were married. My God. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a good mix. I think um, it's got a good feel to it. Thank I you. think that um, it flows nice. Um, the kick and the snare wasn't for me personally. Um, again, taste i'm always going to do this with drums and probably even when i even when i do prefer edge drums or even if i feel they're really close i'm done i'm probably just going to say i don't like the kick and the snare just <laughs> just just because it's my just because it's my thing in the podcast now even if i think it's the best kick and snare in the world they'll just be like yeah yeah i'm not sure ed i'm not i'm not sure mate yeah yeah i would have done it differently paul they nearly null yeah i, I don't know i just prefer mine so i just <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, but I think Fair no. Enough. I would have liked. Enough. I would have liked a little bit more um, movement in regards to the guitars. I did something a little bit different because I felt that okay. the guitars kind of do, kind of jump out dynamically a little bit. You could have maybe compressed them, but I don't really like to compress electric guitars that much because they're already mm. compressed just with the way. Obviously, like with amp freaking compression. Um, so yeah, but I do it again. Good mix. I think that kicks now just paltered special <laughs> either way i'll just say yeah that's my feedback good mix and yeah how, how about we listen to mine because i do think mine's um it's quite it's a little bit similar to yours but with a little few little different things especially in the kick and the snare yes yeah, my kick and snare de- definitely sounds different so let's have a, a quick listen to what i managed to cook up The two of them left before the dawn on a Sunday morning They tried to make it in time to see the sunrise over the lake He said, how much do I give and what do I take As he took him by the hand Some things we'll never understand The two of them sat at the chapel on a Sunday morning to hear the preacher man say it's okay to take these things slow 
DistroKid hosts a range of visually engaging social media promotion tools to help your release stand out from the crowd. Creative and colorful social media cards incorporate your artwork to help your release stand out. These are free to download and can be highly effective promoting your release. DistroKid also offer mini videos, which are free, short, customizable videos incorporating your artwork and a short clip of your track. And if this wasn't enough, DistroKid also have a tool to create a Spotify canvas generator, which is the video that plays in the background when you're playing a song on Spotify. Simply choose a theme and choose from dozens of different creative artwork concepts. These are free to use and great for engaging your audience, available on DistroKid. For an additional subscription of $8.25 a month, you can get your music videos distributed to Apple Music, Vivo and Tidal, and you'll keep 100% of your royalties. With DistroVid from DistroKid. All right, that was Paul's mix of Traveling Light by Joel S. Norman. Immediately what stood out is the snare sound. Yes, we've gone for very, <laughs> very different snare sounds. I dare say I like, I prefer your kick sound, right, yeah. actually. 
uh, it just kind of sits a bit more. I won't describe the motion I'm doing <laughs> off camera, but a bit, a bit. Uh, it just seems to sit a bit more round, uh, round. Yeah, I feel like mine's just got a little bit more sub in my kick than yours. Yeah, you, yours has definitely got the click. That's a hundred percent there. But I, I felt that when I was listening to your kick, it could have maybe done with just a little bit more, like a like what I use yeah. DBX Substance on every kind of mix I do. So you know, what I mean, and I'm using Kick Shaper as well from like my good friend Emma. I use that on the on the kick samples. As I use that on every kick because we're all samples. And yeah, and I do think that was a trick I like stole from Warren and. It's a thing where, like, once you get it right, it's just a case of just getting that, just that level, just right, where you can just bring in that sub with the DBX, and it just kind of gives it that that little bit of sub thing, just give you a nice bit of feel. And on this mix, I decided not to high pass the kick because it was something that we learned from the last episode with Streaky, and he was saying, "Just stop, like, stop taking out all of your low end just because." So I didn't high pass it and I left that sub in and then I did a little bit of high passing on the master bus instead of the kick bus. So yeah, that's what I did on that. Yeah, this was a track I mixed before uh, hanging out with Streaky last time, which was a <laughs> very comedic <laughs> episode. Was, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I was, and feel free to troll me in the comments about this because if you do troll us, it's really good for the uh, YouTube algorithm. <laughs> So it does does us a massive favour. You, you guys slag. We're not us wet off. wipes. Don't worry, we're not wet wipes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was high passing to thirty hertz on everything, mm. and I have since doing this mix taken delivery of some PSI subwoofers, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Uh, but I can now hear down there properly and uh, realise the error <laughs> of my ways. But that's a whole other conversation. With your snare drum sound, there's a lot of snare rattle, which I liked. However, I felt it was quite prominent in the 1 to 3K region, which I think distracts, I don't want to say clashes, but I think it distracts from the vocals. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Quite consistently. Mm, I th- no, what it was on this, I changed my approach a little bit because I'm always working at drums to try and get a sound that I, that I like. And I was doing, I think it's this kind of transient um, thing that I do, the split EQ trick and then clipping it and spiff. I'm going to try in the next mix that I do, instead of boosting the transient part of the snare, to boost the sustain part of the snare. Because I think that, because maybe that's what is kind of being so distracting. I'm thinking punch, but again, it's if it's too much transient, it is going to kind of do that a little bit. But I'm thinking... The thing is, though, I think think it was actually the rattle and the sustain of the snare after the hit that was distracting. It's okay. It was maybe, obviously, as I said earlier, that was the compression thing that I did with the samples where I over compressed them so yeah maybe I went a little bit too much with that maybe it was a thing where I was so focused on getting that shh, 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 and maybe yeah. overdid it a little bit maybe I could have no, I was about to say um, low pass the snare but you're saying it's in the mid range so the split EQ trick is about I'm trying to think where the fundamental was and where I did it with, with the octave I want to say it was maybe around 5k I was doing the, the split EQ thing but if you're saying it was lower down to your ears, then yeah, could have just maybe. But what would it? Well, how would you affix that? Would you just would have EQ'd that kind of region down, or would you maybe have done a bit of um, sidechain ducking? So every time the vocal was playing, the snare would kind of duck in that kind of frequency clashing region. Uh, personally, I wouldn't sidechain anything to the snare. No, I mean, the opposite way. Sorry. Than... So, so the, the 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 snare would duck 
when the vo- that kind of just that one frequency range would duck. No, because no. for consistency, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, because snare I, I some different. Just, yeah. Uh, I mean, I I didn't have so much of that frequency in. Right. So I'm just wondering if you've put it in with the samples mm-hmm. and the compression you've used has brought all the top end out. Right. So do you think it was maybe in the yeah? Because you obviously you you've used the same acoustic uh, snare as me. So yeah, it might be the samples because Joe's samples are pre-processed. That's what's that's, that's a good one thing I like about them. Yeah, and they can get quite toppy. Right, okay, is that something you've easily. noticed? Right, okay, that's something I'll need to yeah. bear in mind then. Um, right, okay, so do you EQ Joe's samples when you use them? Or are you just selective about the samples that you use? Both. Right, okay. Because they've got to blend, okay. uh, and you've, you've basically got to find in the sample what you don't have in the main right, okay. snare. What you want to avoid is overlapping frequencies. Right, okay. Because then it's just going to build up and be too much and potentially phase and then make for a thinner sound anyway that you're then going to compensate for with more EQ moves or another sample. So do, so do you remember, is it because you're a drummer, so you know, right, if you're going for one of the snare drums, if it's like the Gretsch or it could be the the Black Beauty or something like that, you kind of know the characteristic of that snare and kind of where those frequencies are. Is that something you've kind of taught yourself? Uh, kind of in terms of what the drum is made out of. So Black Beauty is brass, right. the Gretsch is going to be wood. Uh, a piccolo might be brass as well. They might, they were, I think there's some steel snare drums in there. These these uh, sample packs are available from Drum Sample Shop. By the way, I'm sure Joe will appreciate the <laughs> shameless plug. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of knowing like, do you want a, a ringy brass or steel snare drum sound, or do you want a warmer aluminium or wood sound? Okay, wood generally is a bit more. Thwocky, a bit more throaty. Okay, well, no, that's something that I'll I'll go away and I'll have a a bit of a a bit of a research. I think I've probably something I need to research a little bit more and think about what actually to kind of learn the sounds of these different snare drums. Obviously, it's a benefit of being a drummer, eh? But well, Mister Third, with your impending launch of your studio, you will no doubt need a drum kit in the studio. And no doubt need a wall of snare drums at some point. That, you know what? This is controversial, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not doing. I can see Paul thinking already. I'm like, not doing. I'm not doing uh, drums in the studio yet. Like I've got a room at the very, very back that was a marijuana farm. Not my marijuana farm. It was. It was. It was their <laughs> marijuana farm, and I don't know. There's a history behind it, so it's an absolute mess, and it's fucking been ripped out. Um, it's a weird shape, but I'm thinking over time I would do it. So just now, there is no going to be. Uh, trust me. I'm not doing drums in the studio. I hate fucking drums as much as it is. Fucking hell, see, I haven't actually record it and deal with drummers as well. My God. Oh my God, you're really pissing me off this episode, Ed. Now just, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm now just thinking of drummers in my studio pissing me off. My God. And I'm not even all, not even halfway through my feedback yet. <laughs> yeah, let's crack um, on. Again, too much drums because it's Ed. Right, okay. Right, okay. What else? Tell me, right, okay. Make uh, me feel a little bit better, I'm, Ed. Make me feel, I like it when you, when no, you. No, not, not yet, not yet. <laughs> So I felt the toms could sound thicker. Again, that's why I use samples right. just to beef up the... the no, I agree with you there. I agree. So this, uh, the snare drum is giving the appearance that the mix is quite bright. And then I feel the cymbals, particularly the ride, is adding to that as well. Now, if you've done your homework on Joel's tracks, you'd actually hear that there's lots of ride in it. So right. I understand why you do that. This is probably the loudest drums you've had in a mix. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I know this is something you've thought of. I wonder if it's maybe come at the sacrifice of the other instruments combined with the fact that I think the piano is quite toppy, I think you've kind of gone for what I used to do, which is a bit of a low low ending and kind of upper mid-range, I don't want to say curve or tilt but or imbalance, but something that's a bit prominent in the top end 
where the guitars would normally fill that in for you. I don't feel like the guitars were as hot for you this week and the piano didn't quite have as much low mids. So I wonder if that's having the drums louder has caused that you to balance differently. I think, I mean, the balance is the same because I'm still using stuff like Mix Monolith and then kind of just listening by ear, you know, if that works. So, I mean, the process itself hasn't changed. I mean, Mix Monolith is still basically kind of doing the same leveling it always has, but I've just brought up the drums just a little bit more than than I'm normally comfortable with. But Maybe it's a presence thing then. Maybe mm. the presence of the snare and the cymbals is giving that perceived loudness yeah, I could maybe back. I mean, on on reflection, I would probably agree that I could have maybe backed off on the energy of the snare and maybe not put in as much of that kind of top energy in there. It's hard because when I was first starting out and I was reading all the books, uh, everything I was like reading was like lots of ten kind of snare, lots of ten kind of snare, lots of ten kind of snare, and I. But I think in reflection, what I've done wrong here is that instead of adding 10k um to the acoustic snare i added 10k on the snare bus which is obviously adding 10k to the samples as well which is probably added if you're telling me that normally kind of some of the snare samples are maybe a little bit toppy that's maybe not been the right thing to do but if i added the 10k lift onto the acoustic snare then it wouldn't have maybe been as toppy and bright I don't know. It's it's difficult because it's something I always read from like very start of my journey in audio was ten k, ten k on snare, ten k on snare. Yeah, it, it's not it's not bad advice. It does add some crack to the snare and and life at the top end, especially on cymbals as well. Ten k is where that glassy sound is. If you want the the kiss psycho circus kind of cymbal sound, which I love, but the the danger of adding top end to samples is. They can already sound yeah, quite digital. Yeah. Now, Joe's are, are, are analog, heavily processed, but analog. But if you do what I often do with um, the Logic drum doubler uh, and blend samples in that way, is they're all digital and they can sound quite digital quite quickly, particularly in the top ends. So that's something to be, to be careful of. Um, but move, let's move on to some positive <laughs> stuff, Paul, because uh, <laughs> I, I can feel your pain here. And I don't mean to be hard on you. Uh, I thought you got a really good bass pocket. I thought you got a better bass pocket than I did. Are you using, what's contributing to that? Is it track spacer, fuser? How are you getting that? No, I've, that was something that I changed a little bit this week. Um, it was more on the mix bus. So originally I had a mix where I just wasn't really feeling that I was, I was getting the bass right in terms of like the tightness of it. I wasn't getting, getting it very tight. Yeah, I'm still doing the same kind of kick um, bass sidechain thing with fuser. But I went back to using Gulfos, which is something that I stopped using for a long time. And I went back to Gulfos Master and I let it do its thing and I set it the way that I used to set it. But I used to never let it do anything in the low end. I used to always kind of take it off the low end, filter that out and take it a bit at the high end because I always felt it was too bright. Um, but for me, I actually remembered how good Gulfos is dynamically for kind of helping the low end in the track because what it's doing is it's kind of dynamically well, it's expanding and it's kind of reducing as well and as soon as I added in Gulfos Master I was like that's it there is the kind of that low end that low end is, has a much better pocket sitting much better um, 
ozone helps because I do use ozone, but I wasn't actually doing that much. I was obviously doing the same thing that ozone does, but it recommends fucking every plugin and it gives you it gives you the, the low end fucking boost and it gives you the high end fucking lift. That's the default, the default. setting for master rebound. Yeah, clarity and stabilizer. That's the ultimate stuff, pat yeah. on the back though, if the mid range is fine. Yeah. But what I will say about that is if when I had the, the 30 hertz shelf on everything, I was getting a flat mid range. And then I took the shelf down and then the interaction with the higher frequencies was causing problems in the mid-range on this mix. Probably just because how I started it from the from the bottom, it was a maybe foundation up issue. But yeah, it was interesting learning just how those sub frequencies can interact with higher frequencies in the computer, not even in the room. That's a whole other issue we'll talk about in the next episode. Yeah, but I think um, it was not the same kind of. I don't. I don't really go that much on on bass because you could go wrong very quickly. So. In pre-mixing, it was the same technique again, using double tap for my compression and then splitting the bass. So I've got the clean DI for the low end um, and I've got the amp for the mid-range. Then putting them two together and compressing them separately and then bringing the two of them together. I think it was maybe just a bit of soothe. There's a preset called demudding the bass that I use and I normally just leave it on default and it just kind of normally does it to my ears it just kind of demuds the bass a little bit and then I don't know it was just Gulf Force Master did something and as soon as I added that in and I listened to the low end I was like oh the bass the bass sounds way tighter there and the low end just made a little bit more sense so I'm going to put a lot of emphasis this week on Gulf Force because it was something that worked very very quickly Gulf Force is a plugin I haven't used yet so I will try and get my head around that uh, but I've got a, I've had a few new plugins this week, so we'll talk about those in the next episode because I didn't use them in this mix. Uh, other than that, typical Paul Third vocal sound, spot on, just sweet and right in the spot. Um, guitars were good, and I noticed uh, you mentioned with the you had some movement with the guitars. I noticed those some of the guitar swells moving. That is a nice mm-hmm. touch. I wish I'd done that. There's always something in your mixes I wish I'd thought of, but. You're the creative one. I know. Overall, I'd say reasonably similar mixes. Um, I'd say all three mixes from you, myself, and Mark Daniel Nelson would pass. As always, personal preferences and minor taste issues between uh, between the three of us there, I would oh, say. Oh, I've got one thing. Sorry, before we go, right? I used... Um, and this was a plugin that Ed got me because Ed was actually... Um, I can't remember where you were, but it was like... a. I was at a dinner or something, or was it like a, an event? Strong Room Studios with MSM yes. the other week. So uh, I actually used the Schwab Digital Gold Clip on this mix. Um, I did it before Flatline 2, and I did I did quite like it. I used the After God Particle, and I played about with it for a good half an hour, and I liked the set, and I was able to get, and I liked the sound of it. Did you use it? I haven't used it yet, no. Uh, and I've been using God Particle cautiously lately, uh, and just, just trying to find a balance between Ozone... God particle, not using the limiter, but using the parallel processing, uh, and then L2, and just trying to find a limit and playing with how far, how far I can push it. You should try flatline <laughs> um, too, mate. Honestly, see the the hybrid new feature that they've put in is basically them trying to kind of take on Ozone's maximizer, and that on it, mate. It's one of the most transparent like clipper limiters that I've ever used. I was shocked when I pushed it. I think it was nine, minus nine and a half. I think I ended up pushing mines to, and I was like, "Oh my god, I could push this even further." And because I, I didn't, I wasn't hearing the distortion. I was, I was feeling quite a, 
hearing a lot of transparency. On Flatline or Gold Clip? Flatline um, too. Okay. So I, I, basically I've got Gold Clip going into Flatline on like the actual master channel. So what Gold Clip's doing is it's just adding in a little bit of extra compression, a little bit of extra clipping. Not a lot, but that gold processing, it's like it reminds me a little bit of what uh, M- Waves MV2 does you know where it brings up the low end information not low end but the low um level information yeah speaking to ryan about that there is a lot going on under the yeah, hood on that not, uh, you should try it out I, I was quite impressed with what i was able to do with it and i do feel it helped flatline 2 because it meant that flatline 2 wasn't having to do as much it doesn't print a color now i definitely didn't use the classic mode because i was like okay i don't want to add too much distortion to this but the modern features that uh, that plugin's got is pretty good and yeah it's, you don't need to have it doing much i think i've got mine's maybe doing like a db of clipping which is very similar to actually how jason joshua uses um the god particle limiter it's just like he sets the input gain to like minus five db and the limiter is set to plus five db so it's just there to catch the peaks so it's obviously it, there'll be there'll be some form of clipping underneath and you know because that's when he's on about transients and it keeps the transients intact and stuff like that which is very similar to what Gold Clip does. So, yeah, it was interesting. But, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd add that in there just because it was something else that I used this week. So, uh, again, experimenting all the time. Me and Ed can't help ourselves. We're always trying out new things. But, yeah, there you go. I am happy with this mix. I think you're happy with your mix. And that is genuinely, Ed, if we can have every week like this, I think we'll be much happy campers. So, yeah, I'd be, I'm, I'm happy to sign off on a, on a, on a good note this week. It has been emotional. On that yeah. ginger bombshell. Oh, fuck you, yeah, Ed. Fuck, <laughs> fuck you. Know what? That, know what? Know what? Fuck you. Know what? Bye-bye. <laughs> finally, finally made him quit. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, ladies and ems, everyone in between, um, thank you for listening on that bombshell. Uh, we will be back next week. We don't have a guest, but our areas. Um, but we have a. We are going to be talking about gear acquisition syndrome, and I've had some interesting studio upgrades, which have blown my mind and basically put me back to square one. I know nothing, and we'll talk about it next week. It's been emotional. See you next time.